What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What up, Flyer fans? Welcome in to Rapid Reaction. I got Blackburn and Drew with me tonight to break down the Flyers' win against Duquesne. We're recording immediately after the game, 72-63 final, Wednesday evening, January 13th. Before we get into Rapid Reaction, I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by our friends Sean Finn and Dan Helm, former Flyer great and former Flyer manager, who are now running Clear Mortgage Ohio. They wanted me to remind you one more time that rates are historically low and money is cheap. So if you're looking to purchase a home or refinance, the time is now. They can close your loan fast. And they said that most banks are closing loans in like two months. They can do it in two weeks. All right. Contact Sean, Sean at clearoh.com or visit the website clearoh.com and they will take care of you. Our flyer owned and operated clear mortgage branch in Ohio is bringing you the rapid reaction that starts right now. Get a shot up at the buzzer, it's good! From Tall! The place is good at the buzzer! The Dayton Flyers! And the Dayton Flyers! Crash! On the way! One of the great college basketball venues in the nation, UD Arena. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Welcome back to Talking Out Loud. This is the rapid reaction of Wednesday evening, January 13th. The Flyers have just finished up a victorious campaign against the Duquesne Dukes, taking them down 72-63 in UD Arena. That improves your Dayton Flyers to a healthy 7-3. It would be a lot healthier had they not lost to LaSalle and Fordham. But here we are. And I like to, you know, as we start the show tonight, I want visitors to the show and all listeners out there, okay, to picture what this season could have been like if UD would not have lost to simply LaSalle and Fordham. We'd be looking at a 9-1 and record. They'd still have an at-large bid to play for. 
I just want to make that clear to people who have come to the program tonight. Welcome in. I'm Sully. I'm your host. I'm joined by Drew and Blackburn tonight. Drew, say hi. Tell the people what you're up to tonight. Hello, everybody. I'm just putting the finishing touches on the A-10 rundown coming to you later in the program. Yeah, stick around all the way to the end. Blackburn, what you got going on tonight? How How is your game watch experience? I know that you weren't so invested on Friday. You watched the game similarly to, to the way I did, where I wasn't invested for 39 minutes and 45 <laughs> seconds, and then I was. What was the game watch experience for you like, or for you tonight? It was it was very docile. I just kind of sat on the couch. Uh, I didn't really, I didn't check Twitter. Um, I didn't post anything. I was just kind of like, all right. You beat Duquesne with uh, sincere carry gone. You're supposed to. Uh, you know, there there was some intrigue, though, at the end. The spread was six. Uh, so uh, was. The, there was almost some interesting things going on at the end. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, a, a win's a win, as we say, this season. I mean, uh, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're, you're watching these games now with the Fordham and LaSalle losses in the back of your mind. So it's like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and that that's kind of how you have to look at it and – um, no, I asked you that because I, I watched the Davidson game just the same way you did. I think a lot of people and after Fordham, after LaSalle, my Lord, the people online that came after us for criticizing the team, the people that came after me personally, absolutely ridiculous for simply saying that we expected more out of the flyers, we expected more out of our senior leaders. And I bring that up tonight because where are those people tonight? Do you think they're turn, tuning into a Dayton versus Duquesne game on Wednesday? I think not. I don't think any of those people are around, and I want to break something to all the listeners. 75% of this fan base is not going to watch Dayton Duquesne on Wednesday night. But you, fair listener, you are. And you came to listen to the rapid reaction, hear what we have to say, and I applaud you for it. But I just want to make it crystal clear that our fan base is no different than any other fan base. We get up for big games. Games against big teams and big home games, okay? NCAA tournament games, of course. All big games Flyer fans have always gotten up for. But the rest of this, this, the muck we watched tonight, 75% of our fan base does not watch these games. They don't care about them. They don't even know that they exist. So I start the show there tonight because I, I was doing some thinking today. And, you know, we have a lot of dads that listen to the show. And, you know, if you're a parent, you know that, it's inevitable that your kids are going to piss you off just one way or another. They're going to draw on your, on your favorite piece of furniture. Uh, maybe they're going to piss on, piss on the rug in the corner. I don't know. I don't know what kids do. Okay. But I know that somewhere along the line, your kids are going to piss you off and you're going to yell at them probably louder than you want to, right? You're going to get so worked up in the moment that you're, you're going to yell at your children. You're probably going to be scathing. And then after the fact, cooler heads, they always prevail. And you take a deep breath and then you recognize the error of your ways or maybe not the error of your ways. Or maybe you say, hey, what I had to say was fair, but maybe I said it in too harsh of a tone. And that, my friends, is where we have found ourselves with this Dayton basketball season. This team killed us against LaSalle. They killed us against Fordham. They killed the hopes of an at-large bid. And we had a lot of things to say. We had a lot of grievances to air against this Dayton Flyers team. But like the parent of a child that has just been screamed at, eventually we come back around to letting them in our lives, opening our house doors to welcome them back in. And that's precisely what we have done to Dayton in the last two games. We have welcomed them back into our homes and they have graced us with two wins 
against Davidson on Friday night and against Duquesne here today. Final again, 72-63. Flyers cover and and they hit the over, which I said in the game day morning, fellas, was going to hit. So with that preamble behind us now, Drew, I know you have initial thoughts on what you saw tonight. Before I get to those, I just want to remind people that Dayton has now beat Duquesne 10 out of their last 11 contests, 14 out of their last 16, and that is their 83rd meeting that improves the Flyers to 58 and 24 against the Duquesne Dukes. Drew, what are your initial thoughts from the game tonight, brother? So Dayton went on a 15-1 run with Zemi playing the five and no big in sight. That should be point one A because that was the probably the best stretch of basketball we've had in A10 play so far. So I think that's something to look at. That lineup really, really, really brought it tonight. Um, you know, for as bad as the losses to Fordham and uh, LaSalle were, they knocked out any at-large chance we had. But after tonight's win, you're a game back of first place through five games. Oh, geez. If, if you'd have told that's me, true. if you'd have told me, uh, hey, you'll be a game back through five. Okay. I'm cool with a lot of the, the teams that are ahead of you with, still left on the schedule. Sure, I'll take it. So it just goes to show how reactionary we all can be sometimes. You know, none of us are, you know, we've all done it before. But you take a step back and you look and you're like, all right, well, we're a game back at first and we still have games with the upper echelon of the league coming up. And if we start finding our stride and we win a couple of those, then, you know, the at, like I said, the at-large hopes are over. Don't Get those as far out of your mind as you possibly can. It now yeah. relies on the team coming together, playing well enough to hopefully move up the standings and put it together in the A-10 tournament. Will they? Finish finish in the top four. I mean, that's the expectation every year. Right. And you're right out. I mean, you're right there. You're a game out of it. There's three teams that are three and one. So. Oh, three and one ahead of us, you're saying. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Okay. So, and you know, and SLU hasn't played a game yet. So we – you like they look like it, but you know they've play? got their own issues. So, but yeah, you know, like you said, it was a it was a Wednesday night game against Duquesne in the middle of the season. But I was very encouraged with what I saw, and you know, Duquesne kind of made that that fake run where everyone was like, "Oh no, here we go again." The the result was never really in doubt, in my opinion. No, no, I, I never felt the result was in any jeopardy after about the 10 minute mark. And I, I said as much on Twitter, um, you know, you just I, I know. OK, we've had this show for for years now. OK, and I tell people, you know, did I play college basketball? No. Did I play for Dayton? No. I know what I'm looking at. I know what I'm seeing. I know what I am digesting when I watch a basketball game, much like you two do. And tonight was one of those games where he hit the eight-minute timeout. I believe the Flyers were up like 15. And I said to myself, okay, yes, this team has had trouble putting other teams away. This is just not one of those nights. Um, I said it on the game day morning that the the Flyers matched up particularly well with Duquesne. Um, And Blackburn, I want to get your thoughts on this here. But the Flyers matched up really well with Duquesne, I thought, on paper. And the reason was because of Jordy. And here's here's the double edged sword here. Now hold on, just let me get there. All right, is that Jordy was a huge mismatch on offense for Duquesne. They had no big man, so if you could figure out how to get him isolated in the post, get him to 
you know, get on the block down there and then isolate his man away from the basket like Obi used to do a lot. Remember, he used to close people out. You get the ball in over top. I mean, that was a realistic scenario that I had kind of run through tonight as a a kind of bread and butter play to to beat Duquesne offensively right now. The flip side of that and why this knife cuts both ways is that Jordy is as much of a mismatch on offense as he is on defense but in the other direction to Duquesne's advantage. Now, in the first 10 minutes or so, that mismatch went the wrong way for the Flyers because you guessed it, Grant kind of got out-dueled early on by Keith Dambrot. And he got out-dueled because they set a lot of high ball screens. They pulled Jordy out to the perimeter. And and at, after that happened, you can kind of guess where it goes from there. There's gaping holes down low underneath because Jordy's out on the perimeter and he's in a mis- a mismatch with a guard. And Duquesne did that time in and time out. And I I felt vindicated in the first minute, Blackburn, because the if you remember the first bucket of the game, it was the easiest play they've run all year, two points to Jordy, run back down the floor. And I was like, boom, I nailed it. I knew exactly what we could do tonight to exploit their small ball lineup. And then they didn't do that the rest of the first half. Um, I I wanted to get your thoughts on that because there was a lot of takes on Jordy. Yes, his defense was deplorable. He was out of position a lot, but that's because, you know, it wasn't by accident, people. All right. Keith Dambrot knows what he's doing. He got Jordy out of position on purpose and they exploited that. And Anthony Grant did not exploit that offensive mismatch in the way that I thought he was going to. And consequently, Dayton had to go back to the guard-heavy lineup. It worked. They won the game. No big deal. Blackburn, your thoughts on the game tonight? Well, first and foremost, I thought Marcus Weathers was going to go for 40 after the it first seemed like It seemed like that, yeah. <laughs> like He was hitting insane shots. I mean, guy was on fire. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, it's, it's a guard-oriented offense. It's going to stay that way. Um, when, especially when you have Crutcher and Watson, I mean, those are the guys that are to shoot the ball the most. Jordy just isn't going to figure into the offensive plans. It's just not going to happen. He's just on a, he's on a tree. He's on a real threat down low. He really isn't, you know? No, no, he's not. It, just because the thing with Jordy is that he, um, I can't even sit here and be like, his fundamentals are great. He doesn't do all the little things that, that big men need to do offensively to kind of like Luca Garza, for example. I know this is like a wild example and people are like, what are you talking about? But the point I'm getting at is Luca Garza is terrible on defense, but he's so good on offense that it doesn't matter. And all we needed Jordy to do was be plus in a plus situation enough on offense that his defense didn't matter. And it's pretty clear that we're probably not going to get to that position with him. Right? No, I mean, he, he is what he is at this point. I mean, I, I don't see any major developments. I mean, no, you know, the poor no. the the kid, the kid tries, he tries, he tries, but he's just not athletic enough to be, to be a factor. You know, it's just, no. he, he, he moves really slow. He's kind of awkward. Uh, I, he's one of those big guys that, you know, he doesn't really know how to use his body the right way. It's more used to like to slam into people as a, you know what I mean? It's just, he doesn't know, know how to use his, his body the right way, I think. And could be it. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, he's just not an athletic guy. It's, it's, yeah. it's uh, it is what it is, but you know, my God, man, Duquesne, you know, obviously that's a different game with sincere carry, but the, the shot selection from Duquesne. I mean, I know they're awful offensively and we so we've talked about this for, a, I don't even know how long, 
Duquesne is historically one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the nation. I mean, every year they seem like they, they finish up in the 300s. And yet there's always such an emphasis on shooting the three with them. Yeah, I just don't get out. it. So you, you brought that, you bring that up about how they're a horrible three point shooting team. And you also brought up about how it looked like Weathers was going to go to four, go for 40. If you take Drew, out you me, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to rattle off a stat before you go into this. Okay. Because okay. I, I really needed this stat just to hammer home the point from Blackburn. So just hold on to that thought, put okay. a pin in it. All right. Got it. Last season, Duquesne, was 245 in the country in three-point shooting, okay? 2019, they were 278 in the country. In 2018, they were 164. 2017, 244. 2016 is the last year. You have to go all the way back to 2016 when they were 17 and 17 to find a Duquesne team that even shot in the top 100 in the country in three-point percentage. So that's a very astute point by you, Blackburn. Go ahead, Drew. What were they tonight? Like three, four. So if you oh, take out Weathers, if you take out Weathers, who looked like he was going to go for forty early, this was yeah. Duquesne shooting numbers. They were twenty of fifty-four from the field for thirty-seven percent, and they were one of fifteen from three for six <laughs> percent. <laughs> and you know what I really loved, and I I didn't tweet this just because, like, what sense does it make? Like, we all saw it, but the short kid Dun Martin. I mean, oh he wasted he wasted at least six possessions for Duquesne tonight, at Easily. least. Easily, I mean, he pulled up. I think on the break three times for about thirty-five feet. Oh, oh, for four from from the great beyond. Four of twelve yeah. from the field. I love that kid because I was like, every time he goes up the floor, I'm like, yes, put the ball in his hands more because he's going to throw up some ridiculous shot that has no chance of going in. And, and it, that's the problem now that Duquesne has is without carry, he's your primary ball handler. He's the oh. guy running the show, and you, you know. It, like, like you said, I mean, it is fun to watch because the guy obviously has an uh, internal green light. I'm sure if Dambrot's not encouraging him to pull up from 35 on a fast break. Oh, he's exhilarating to watch. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, all the wrong, for all the wrong reasons. But yeah. And then I'm, I'm, I'm watching – I'm thinking about Duquesne today, watching him, and Dambrot doesn't get enough credit for getting back-to-back 19 wins with that program. I mean – I know. They've had some talent filter in and out every now and again, but for the most part, it's just – try to not have the other team score a lot. That's basically their, yeah. their, their strategy, you know, and yeah. Dayton tonight, it, it, it kind of worked for a little bit. Um, but yeah, at the end, it was just too much crutcher, too much Evie and um, they just couldn't keep up. And that's, that's just how it's always been with them. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll actually expound upon that for listeners that, that may not know um, the situation at Duquesne. And I'm, privy to this simply because I'm from the area, but um, Duquesne has been a bottom feeder school for quite some time. Um, you know, they, they haven't made the NCAA tournament since the 70s, um, but they were also a founding member of the A-10. So for those of you that don't know, the conference was formed in the late 70s and Duquesne, along with UMass, um, they were founding members of the conference. There's a couple other ones that are still in off the top of my head. I cannot remember them, but this is good enough for my example. And you've learned now that I'm speaking. So that's good enough for me. But the point I'm getting to is that um, Duquesne never had an emphasis on their athletics programs in general. Okay. And that was because they had, um, they had administrators that just did not prioritize it. And it was mainly because they were, uh, they were priests. And I don't know why that correlation exists, but at Duquesne, that correlation exists. So these days, 
Uh, Duquesne got a new athletic director from the University of Dayton. His name's Dave Harper. And since that time in the new administration, lay people that have replaced um, you know, the people that were there, Duquesne has put a greater emphasis on their athletics. They put millions of dollars into their facilities. They're renovating their arena. And you're, you're kind of seeing the results. I mean, Duquesne obviously is not still not a great program. They're not even really a good A-10 program, but they're a step above where they were. And I mean, you remember Blackburn. And we're even talking about it now. Dayton's won 10 of the last 11, 14 of the last 16. I mean, we still have a certain amount of dominance against them, but I don't feel like I am breaking any news to say that Duquesne gives us a better game recently than they used to, like say when I was growing up. And I remember one time I was in high school and Dayton lost to Duquesne. And it was like deplorable. I, I can't remember what year it was, maybe like 07, 08. And Duquesne maybe won like 10 games the whole year. And they beat Dayton at home. And I never heard the end of it from my high school friends. And I, I just, I expound upon that point just to kind of highlight that that's the program Duquesne has been around the area, around the college basketball landscape, around the A-10. They just have never been a respected program. Um, but again, I, I, you know, I thought they gave Dayton a good game tonight. Um and you said it at the end of your point, Blackburn, is that it just it's so obvious now what this team is for Dayton. They're Crutcher and Watson and then whatever contributions they can get from everybody else. And it's it's also apparent that when Watson and Crutcher aren't scoring and I say and with emphasis, this team is not going to beat anybody. I mean, it just they have to get contributions from those two guys tonight. They chipped in 37 of the 72. They took uh, 29 shots between the two of them. That has to happen every single night. And when I stood on this mic weeks ago and I criticized Jalen Crutcher and I put the loss on his shoulders, it was for that exact same reason. I mean, these guys have to steer the ship every single night. Um, and they did tonight and uh, and they got the job done. Uh, Drew, what else did you see out there tonight? Well, to kind of keep going on the Jalen thing, Jalen really looks like he's starting to take the season by the by the nuts. He's starting he's really, to realize how important he is to the lineup. Yes, That's all and I tweeted out tonight that his usage rate is going to have to be very high for Dayton to be successful. And for those who don't know what usage rate is, it's basically – how often is Jalen Crutcher contributing to a ball going into the basket? So that's both his scoring and his assist. It doesn't matter how it happens. The ball's just got to be in his hands. And however Jalen wants to to make it happen, he needs to have the freedom to make it happen. And I feel like in the Davidson game and tonight, he's really made an emphasis on making it happen. And it's making everyone around him, or he's making the players around him better because of it. That's exactly right, Blackburn. I know that we talked about this a million times, is that when Crutcher is aggressive, and you saw it a lot tonight, right? He would drive down the middle of the lane, and because of the attention paid to him, somebody else was open on the fast break. Same thing. He'd go straight to the rim. Everybody collapse on him because they know he's a scorer, opens up lanes for everybody else. So if you're sitting there and you're like, you know, asking us like, well, why? Because I said tonight, Crutcher needs to stop passing the ball. Just stop pass. Just go straight to the rim. And sure enough, he did. He attacked. He scored buckets. And then in the second half, when he was going to the bucket, when he attacked the rim, they closed on him. And then the passes were open. But A has to happen before B happens, right? And like Jalen Crutcher has to be aggressive or Dayton's not going to win anything. They're really not going to win anything. They have to have him being aggressive, leading the ship, and kind of dictating the pace, right? Well, tonight it was nice to see him be aggressive from the jump. Yeah. It seems like uh, the past couple of games he's kind of, you know, 
kind of waited by the the sideline there and let things come to him. But tonight he was out there being aggressive from the very start. But like you said, you're right. I mean, you're not to have Evie and and Jalen every night. Uh, specifically, Jalen. He's gonna be, he's got to be dialed in every night. If he has an off night, um, it, it's 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 not gonna be there's good. No, there's no way we can win. I mean, yeah. where are you getting late early come? if Jalen's not on his game? And look, there there are some losses down the road. I think everybody here sure. knows that. Um, but that being said, regardless of how the games turn out, you had to have Crutcher getting 15 to 20 shots up a game. And I rarely say this. It's like you rarely, rarely want to tell a kid to be selfish, but I'm telling him like whatever opportunities are there to score, to make things happen, just take them. And also let's not forget he's got about a, what six weeks left in his career at Dayton. Um, a lot of people are talking about the possibility of him being drafted. Go ahead and, and make, make a, a tape for the, the NBA case. scouts. Yeah. Yep. Make the case. <laughs> Because that's the, at the end of the, at the end of the day, you know, I was watching tonight. I'm thinking, oh man, you know, Crutch is on, Evie's on, and then you're thinking, well, we only got these guys for six more weeks, so it's not like you want to move past these kids because they still have some games to play. But in, in the back of your mind, you're also thinking about that too, and it's kind of like, man, I'm already looking forward to next. year. We're not necessarily looking forward to it, but thinking about next year, and I'm thinking, man, it's it's going to be an interesting year next year for sure without those two. Yeah, I agree. Uh, to hammer home that point, um, Ibby had 23 points in the loss to SMU. But since that time, there has been two games since the SMU game where he's scored in single digits. You guys want to try and take a stab at which two games that were? Those, gonna, those were? I'm going to say Fordham and LaSalle. And LaSalle. <laughs> <laughs> Nine against LaSalle, seven against Fordham, loss and loss. I mean, you know... It, you, you do get to a point in this season where you start to become redundant, but we also have to hammer home what the formula is for this team. And it's, it's blatantly clear. I mean, if Crutcher and Watson score less than 15 in a night, we're, we're absolutely screwed. Cause there's no just, matter who, no matter who. There, the yeah, there's, literally Seriously. there's no one else to score. It's yeah. not. And who do, who do you guys feel confident in next year? Who's like outside of, out of Moose, who needs to shoot more, man? He needs to get aggressive too. He kind of disappears in games. Um, yeah, I think but, Grant was like, "Play the system," and he was like, "Fuag, I'm gonna light it up from me. yeah." So yeah. <laughs> we lost the Florida, man. I'm doing my thing now. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say who that, do you f- I'll say this about the young guys, just in general. I, I call them like, young guns. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead. the young, young guns. guns. They're they're they look like they're starting to grasp it more and more with every passing game. I'm gonna use Zemi as an example here. I was really. Definitely. I really like how he plays that small ball five. I really do. And you know what? Like we might get, there might be games where we get killed on the glass, but I'll take what we get offensively with, with him at the five. He's, he has the ability to kind of step out and spread the floor a little bit more, open up some more driving lanes. He got to the line a lot tonight and was six for eight getting there. That's very encouraging to see. And I also like Weaver as a ball handler and distributor. He doesn't yeah, get yeah, too yeah. ahead of himself. He's got nice pace to his game. I'd like to see him start becoming a little bit more of a scorer, but he knocked down a couple threes tonight as well. So I actually think the young guys are progressing pretty well. And obviously their impacts aren't really shown in the box score, but I think that also has to do with what we've talked about already about how often the ball needs to be in Jalen and Ibby's hands. So are we ready I think we to completely take... go ahead. Are we ready to completely close the door in Sissoko, by the way? Uh, I am. Hand up. I am. Because like it's, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to a specific point in the game tonight. There was a, yes. there was a point where he there was a rebound like three feet away from him. He goes to grab it. It hits off his hands, bounces up, 
And then another player grabs it and they go down and they get an and one, I'm pretty sure. And I literally said to myself out loud, like, if Sissoko isn't going to rebound when he's on the floor, then what else is he going to do? Like, well, yeah. what is going to happen? What's I, mean, I, 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 I think I just don't, I do not see it. I just do yeah. not see it. That's the thing. I, I, and I think you guys agreed. There hasn't even been a glimpse or a spark or anything to indicate <laughs> that no. he is a D1 yeah. college. I mean, outside the fact that no. he's 6'9", 250. He's gigantic. Uh, he looks the part. But my God, man, if, if this isn't a year for him to kind of contribute and, and and make some waves, I don't know what is. And it's like at this point, I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking there's just I, I don't see a scenario where this works out for either party. You know, yeah, you hate I, to yeah. say that. He's but it's got like, a, hey, he's that got portal's warm right now. A little bit, I think that portal's warm. I that think if, he, if he gets into the gym and slims down and kind of becomes a little bit more dynamic athletically, but I've, see, again, I don't, no, don't like, I just don't <laughs> no. see you know, no, every no, explanation only, that I hear about this guy, it always ends way. up. And I just no. don't. And again, I agree with both of you. I just, Drew, I, you're, you're not, you're doing what we, we, you're, you're doing what we can't do, which is give him a lifeline. <laughs> no, every time someone tries to explain like how, how he could be productive in the lineup, it always basically ends up being some version of, well, if he was a better athletic basketball player, I never yeah, said he'd be productive. I, know. I said he'd he he be a 15 foot shot. Yeah. Okay. I, that's going to happen overnight. <laughs> No, I mean Drew, we're, we're we're busting on you, but I, I, you know, Blackburn brings up a good point in that you. to you know tonight with Jordy, it's like it, we've talked about this a million times. When Jordy's on, he gives us a really nice X factor down low. Um, you know, where you can count on him. He kind of mixes it up in the glass, and maybe he's not going to get a rebound, but he'll fight for it long enough to let people get back on defense. Like there's little things that he can contribute to the lineup, and then we always say this when he's. Uh, when he's bad, he's really, really bad. And tonight was one of those those situations where they exploited his presence. Um, they game planned around Jordy, and he was really bad. But the point still stands that he gives you productive things every now and again where you can point to and go, that's why he's in the lineup. That's why Coach Grant's going to stick with him. That's why he gets 20 minutes. I don't have that same scenario with Sissoko. I mean, we're, we're 10 games in and, and every time he comes on the floor, I'm waiting for something to happen. But more often than not, I'm just like, it's, it's kind of like a Matej situation where you watch him on the court and you go, I just don't think this kid is ready for this level. And, and I think he's in over his head because he's just, he's not a good enough basketball player to be on the floor with these guys. And I still just cannot think of a single productive thing that he's given the lineup point blank. I just, I can't, you know what? He, he played pretty well in the red blue game two years ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember people shitting their pants in excitement over like, Oh my God, this guy's a fucking monster. Well, I mean, the <laughs> battle, the bat, the, the good old battleship was like sounding red all shirt. the alarms last year for, to burn his red shirt. And again, I tweeted earlier in the year, but, and let's the, burn the a scholarship. Stands, that dude's Twitter privileges should be revoked. They I should. agree. I agree. If you if you have a hot if you have a take that cold, you got to shut it all down. Yeah, and that and that goes for anybody who who added me about fouling at the end of the Davidson game. If you don't understand why you have to foul there, you don't know college basketball. You don't know basketball, and please do not interact with me. <laughs> don't ask just, me. <laughs> I mean, look, and I get it. Look, there's there's people out there who have certain motivations, and I won't get into them as to why they protect Anthony Grant. And I get it. I understand it. It doesn't make it right. But 
if you just don't understand the basic strategy there with 12 seconds with a foul to give up three, I, I don't know. I can't help you. Like I can't, and you're not, you're not a serious person that I'm going to interact with or take, take, you know, I'm not going to listen to your opinion. And that's, look, it's nothing personal. It's just how it is. Look, <laughs> I, I by far of, of the people who contribute to this podcast, maybe outside of Ryan, Mike self, I've probably been the person to most defend Grant through his tenure here. And even I couldn't like, couldn't say anything or justify what he did at the end of the Davidson game. No chance. You the, no. simply, it was one of the biggest, you know, coaching mess ups like, that I've quite literally have ever seen. I tweeted out. I was like, are we going to foul here in Jess? Cause I was like, well, obviously they're going to foul here. And it'll be funny because I always ask, are they going to foul here? And they don't. But I was like, well, this is an obvious place where they will foul. So that's the joke. And you know what? Like the sending them to the line thing that like I I'm on team like foul no matter what. But, you know, I've seen I've seen games go bad when you put them on the line. But the fact that they had a foul to give and they didn't foul is the the most egregious offense. It's great. It's absolute insanity. And uh, like I said, I had people trying to defend it. And at that point, I'm just thinking either they're blind. Yeah, there's no defending it. You and, just have to move forward and win the game, which is what they did. Right. And that's at the end of the, at the end of the day, they won the game. But again, those kids played well enough to win that game in regulation. In regulation. I don't And you hate to see you hate to see a coach take right. that shot away Absolutely. from because God forbid you lose that game. You didn't have to lose that game. Um, you know, you should have won it after 40 minutes, and that's what right. you hate to see. You hate to yes. see where a coach is so ineffective where he's costing his kids a chance to win a game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and that was what I was so upset about. Um, we've we've gotten a, a little off of the, the Duquesne game, but it, it bears repeating. And that's why I was I was I was very angry about that game because as a coach, you can't I was steaming. You can't yeah, you just you didn't have your guys prepared and frankly you can't let them down in the biggest moment of the game when they've worked so hard to get it to that point. Um but I'm glad you guys ranted on the Davidson game last Friday. Again, Flyers are winners 72-63 tonight uh, as we're recording against Duquesne to get them to 7-3. and three. But I'm glad you guys were ranting about that because I had a chance to pull up Sissoko's stats for the season. Are you oh guys boy. ready for him? Oh, boy. I'll, I'll, start, I'll start with the thing that he has the most of and work the way Personal down from fact. there. So he has 25 rebounds on the year. Damn. And I am talk. He's he's appeared in in every game. Believe it or not, um, oh, I believe it. I believe yeah. it. Yeah. He, he's he's appeared in every game. His most minutes were against George Mason and LaSalle, where he got twenty apiece. All right, so he's, he's got a considerable amount of minutes. All right, he 20 played twenty minutes. minutes. Twenty minutes against oh LaSalle. Well, and George Mason back to back game nights. was it? One of those games we had like seven healthy bodies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care. Uh, it was LaSalle, but it doesn't matter. Okay, so here we go. Twenty five rebounds. 16 fouls, 12 points, and nine turnovers. So he has more fouls than points, fellas. I mean, you know, it, it just let's let's not let's not beat the kid over the head. It, I just, you know, as blunt as I can be with people without them jumping to my mentions about what a meanie, what an asshole I am. Too bad. Just, he just doesn't look like he's ready for this level. I said the same thing about Matej, great kid, funny, great locker room presence. You know, he wasn't ready. He walked out the door because he knew it. And I, 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 not that I hope that that happens, but Sissoko just has to recognize that he's just not ready for this level. Hey, I mean, the portal's enough. ready when he is. That's all I'm it's, saying. It's nice and warm, and it's you nice can go anywhere warm. you want. You don't have Since, to sit out. Sincere carry just hit it. He's having a great time for himself. He's chilling. What did chilling. you think about Dan Rod's comments about uh, Carrie leaving? Um, they were kind so, of kind of brutal. 
Yeah, so for for people that don't know, um, I mentioned it briefly this morning on our piece, but uh, three players have decided to leave the Duquesne program this season. Two of them said that they're going to come back. It's or no, sorry, one said there's going to come back, and then two are going to transfer. So they just lost three guys within the last month, right? One of them, sincere Carey, who was a starter on the team, and Keith Dambrot basically said he's unhappy. And he went as far as to say that young athletes sometimes make a decision to either try to be happy or be unhappy. And he was choosing to be unhappy. I haven't seen a college coach kind of throw a player under the bus like that in quite some time, but it was a coach kind of voicing his opinion that he had done everything that he could in the current situation. And it was also an indicator to me that Keith Dambrot wanted him to stay and would have done the things necessary for him to stay. I well, don't he said have, that, right? He yeah, said, I don't have any said in the situation. Yeah, he said in his comment, he's like, "I literally gave the kid the keys to the keys to the program." Yep. So essentially, he's saying, "There's nothing more I can do." If the kid's not happy being the man, being the guy who's running the show, um, you know, the guy that I trust the most, then yeah, I can't. There's nothing else I can do. Nothing you can do exactly. So and I see he went to he went to Kent State, by the way. Sincere carry. So I I don't know, man. Good luck at Kent State. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I just can't I can't quite figure that one out. Um, but you know, I guess I guess neither here nor there. Um, the Flyers will get Duquesne again. Um, down the stretch here, they play them again on Tuesday, February second. That will be. I'm guessing at Duquesne's new arena, but it keeps getting pushed back because of construction. Um, so, boys, we have to turn the page really quickly. The Flyers get back in action on Sunday, which actually, let's do this. Before we get to the A-10 rundown, we've we've long pondered this question. And with the A-10's new TV schedule, they have the Friday night game on ESPN. They have the Sunday slate on NBC Sports, and they have the three games on Saturday. The schedule's been messed up. You used to be able to set your watch by Wednesdays and Saturdays Flyers were going to play, right? What do you guys prefer the the Flyers play during the week? Because I am a Wednesday-Saturday guy myself. I'm a bit of a traditionalist. But uh, Friday night sock hop has kind of, you know, found a place into my heart. What say you, Drew? You go first. Uh, I definitely am a fan of the Friday night games, especially when I was at school. Those yes. Friday night games were awesome when yes. I was at school. Uh, but now I love, I do kind of like the week, the weekday game. The weekday game really doesn't make a whole lot of difference to me, whether we play like, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and then obviously like the Saturday afternoon time slot is the time slot I like for Saturdays. What I don't like is when the Dayton Flyers and the Cleveland Browns uh, playoff game are on at the same exact time. That I, I don't like. I'm sorry. Blackburn, what, what about you? Where, where do you like the Flyers to land during the week? Because Tuesday, Friday has its merits. You know how I feel. I love the sock hop. It's a great, <laughs> way, it's a great way to cap the week. It really is. It's like it is. the week's over. You put everything to the side, and then you got Dayton hoops at like 6 p.m. <laughs> or or last it was, week, it was at it was 9. nine. Yeah, not, I don't know. Seriously, the parents were probably driving up at 1130. That's a little bit late for the kids to be out. Let's get them back to like 7 or 6 for the sock hop. Yeah, yeah, but I, I like I like the I like the Friday night game. I really do. Yeah, no, I, it's grown on me over the years. Um, th- this year less so because Friday nights at Glasgow in Chicago used to be raucous when we would have big games, and um, the APM Central tip last week would have been no different. But 
You know. I have, I have one more thing to say about Dayton on TV. CBS Sports. Yeah. Oh you guys God. stink Boy. out loud. Stink. <laughs> Go stink. out. Do it. Tell them. Because you don't have an app on like an Xbox or a smart TV to where I can just simply pull, like, put in my information and watch a Dayton basketball game on one of you my... You can't even do it if you have Comcast. Any true. devices to watch this game. I had to pull up a, a stream at an unnamed website because I'm not going to get them in trouble. And I had to watch this game on on a stream. And it's yep. it is patently ridiculous. And I I'm want to boycott future CBS sports games when Dayton is on there. So ESPN and NBC Sports they should just have all the A10 games and leave CBS Sports in the dust. Do you get the feeling that the CBS announcers are like literally handed a sheet like 20 minutes before the game? Oh, no, that's, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it always seems like they're unprepared. They're mixing up. The, like tonight, they, they thought Michael Hughes was on Dayton for about five minutes. Yeah. It's and like, then, this and isn't then, hard, man. It, and you're right, because I know um, as someone who's been in like in the media room and I know what sheet they get handed, you know, kind of how the media sheets broken up. Like you have the pronunciations, you have like the trends like, oh, the Flyers have beaten Duquesne the last nine out of ten times. Right, right. And then it'll say bio like, stuff. yeah, it'll say like the season series, whatever. And you could very much tell that the announcers, number one, have not covered many A-10 games this year. And number two, they have not seen a lick of Dayton basketball this year. And, you know, I, I just I behoove people that makes these decisions to just think harder about who you're putting behind the mic. And I know that none of them are listening to this podcast and this is a fruitless um, endeavor to kind of go into this. But it really it shows through where he's like spouting off all this random history about Dayton Flyers. And I'm like, congrats, you're over 55 years old and a college basketball fan. Like, good for you, man. Like, thank you. Yeah, you're you're great. You know who Mike Sylvester is like, OK, that was painful, though. That was kind of painful. It, it like, was like, because he's just a very story like random anecdotes. And I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, who cares, man? He's like, oh, there's Mick Donaher. I'm like, oh, you know, his nickname. Good for you, buddy. Like, it, you know, none of it was relevant to what they were talking about. And they just kept saying like all these buzzwords. It just it just bugs the crap out of me. Like, oh, I wish Zimmy and Ibby or Obi would have been able to play together. Like, why? He's a he's a freshman. I wish, like, I wish Magic and Obi were playing together at Dayton. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, there there was there were so many things. So they he thought that the 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 not not that he should have gotten this, but this is a big miss. The last first round pick was in '79, and he guessed Roosevelt Chapman. <laughs> I mean, dude, drafted. you're about you're about six years off, and yeah, didn't get drafted. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I, yeah, it, it was one of those things where I, I just had to laugh. I, I will, um, before we we kind of look ahead to to what's what's coming, I did want to share one story. Um, some of my favorite quotes in my house now are when. Uh, my girlfriend looks up from whatever the hell she's doing while I'm watching the Flyers and just makes like a one one off, you know, like a one off comment because she doesn't really have any context. Uh, she knows like Jalen Crutcher and, and that's about it. Um, I bought her an Obi Toppin sweatshirt, but I, I'm basically just outlining the fact that all of her comments are completely objective every single time she looks at the television. So today um, during a stoppage, they uh, they had a picture of Ibby Watson that they pulled up sleepy, as we call him. And every time he puts up a three in the living room, I'm sitting there and I go, sleepy. And then, you know, sometimes he hits him, sometimes he doesn't. So she puts up a picture of Ibby Watson and she looks over at me and she goes, he looks like he's high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I go, yeah, yeah, that's our guy. That's sleepy. <laughs> I, I, has, has Watson's, the arc on his shot got about like 10 foot, feet higher? 
Oh yeah, I love it. It could like, keep keep putting it higher as far as higher I'm and higher, baby. Yeah, I want it to be like I want Ibby's arc to get to the point like a pass thirty yards down the field in football where you have to have that two seconds where you're like, "What the hell is gonna happen?" And then it like goes in, you know, it goes in or out, whatever. But all his shots, all his shots go to the top of the TV screen. They actually disappear. That's what I mean. It's amazing. I want more of that. I want yeah. more arc. Um. So I I let's uh, let's turn the page and. And I, like I was mentioning, we're going to get to the A10 rundown before the show ends here. Um, but man, we found ourselves in such a precarious position because now the Flyers are playing a home and way with George Washington. Um, they're playing at George Mason's gym on Sunday, but playing against George Washington, I'm assuming because they don't want to be in D.C. for whatever the hell is going to happen this upcoming weekend. Oh, I'll, um, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, let's not get into that. It's a basketball podcast. <laughs> but I, I say this is a precarious position because like we talk about it all the time, guys. This is a literal no-win situation for Dayton. You either win both games in the next four days or, or sorry, next week or you have another horrific loss on your resume and it, it just, it sucks. These are just absolutely fruitless games coming up here. And I, I hate covering them because it's, it just sucks. It really does. They're, they're tough to watch too. They really are. Yeah. GW stinks. They're terrible. It, yeah. And if you didn't know out there listeners, like GW is bad, 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 bad. And, but I mean, we lost the sound for them. So that's the thing. Like you can't go into these being like, all right, go in there, get both your wins and head back home. It's like, they're going to be on the ropes in one of these games. You absolutely know it. And even if they clean GW's clock in the first game, who who does it matter? They're going to come back and get the game in the second one. And exactly. Even when you win, you win comfortably. It means nothing. It means nothing. So, all right. Uh, After that, the Flyers take on VCU St. Louis, Rhode Island. So we know that the rubber is going to hit the road a little bit after this GW week, but just stick with us, Flyer fans. All right. We'll, We'll try to calm down the podcast for the next week because we know that the stakes are very low. Um, There's no GW guests. I don't know anybody that's like a diehard GW fan that has anything intelligent to say. I mean, I'm sure they're out there. I just don't know them. But just bear with us. The next week's going to be rough. And hopefully next Wednesday night, we're 2-0 and we come back to you and we have something good to say. So, all right, Drew, before we take him out of here, we've gone way too long on the rapid reaction, but whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's good, honest conversation for the evening. Um, the people of, of the show need to know what happened around the league tonight. So tell them. All right. A-10 rundown. Uh, VCU beat uh, said school, George Washington, only by seven, 84-77. Cover uh, that. Bonaventure, uh, top Fordham, 68-54. Uh, Mason, obliterated LaSalle. Uh, oh, Dayton. That was a weird one, by the way. That was yeah, a, that weird is a weird game of the night. Yep, yeah, that is a weird one. And then UMass, uh, top four UMass, uh, topping Rhode Island, coming off that big VCU win over the weekend uh, in overtime. So, looking at, the, look, looking at the uh, <laughs> looking at the the standings and the tiers. So I got them broken down into four tiers. So tier one, I think it's pretty obvious is your Richmond, Bonaventure, VCU, and St. Louis, who. Still hasn't played an Atlantic 10 game yet, but they're the only team who's ranked. Yep. So they kind of they're in there by default. Tier two, I mean, these there's not much separating these four. I really don't think it's Dayton, Davidson, UMass, and URI. And then tier three, you've got Duquesne, Mason, LaSalle, uh, kind of off in the middle of nowhere, George Washington. And then the last tier, which I just call Fordham and St. Joe's. Is Fordham and St. Joe's. Fordham in that order. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. St. Joe's is last because, you know. You know, Fordham beat Dayton, so I kind of have to rank them a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So St. Joe's is last currently. Um, 
so there you go. That's kind of how I have it broken down. Like I said, we're one of the very many teams who are only a game back in first place right now. So a lot can still happen. And like you said, uh, after these next stretch of games against G Dub, uh, the the going the going's going to get a little bit tougher. It is. It is. Uh, let's take them out. We've we've run long on the rapid reaction tonight, uh, Blackburn. Let's let's move right into final thoughts and, and close it down for tonight. Well, like you like we said, you know, you got the W. Uh, Crutcher's looking great, um, but like you know, like you said, we're we're heading into the real shit here. So um, everybody take a deep breath, and then uh, starting next week, it gets real. Yep, yep. Just get past get past this game Sunday. Going to do that exact same thing on Wednesday, and hopefully a week from now, a week from this recording, uh, we have some good news for you. Drew, what do you have for us tonight? Final thoughts? Again, you know, a comfortable win. Something we haven't been able to, to do this year. Something we haven't been able to say. A comfortable win. And uh, Dayton, obviously the problem all year, has been turnovers, and I'm happy to report to all of you that Dayton won the turnover battle tonight. So oh, we'll, end, we'll end on that. All right. That probably is a first this year. It has to be. I, I'm not going to go look back through the stats, but that's got to be the first time Dayton's won the turnover battle all year. Has to be. All right, Flyer fans. We're, we're closing up shop for tonight. Um, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have to get through the next week. It's a schlog. It's two games against the same team that's very bad. And a loss would be terrible. Either game losing would be absolutely terrible. But for as much as we complain on this program, we love to bitch about things regarding the Flyers. It's worth coming on and sharing my final thoughts that right now at this point in the season and after what we just watched, there are plenty of reasons to be optimistic about the Flyers. Putting aside the fact that Dayton just had their best recruiting class of all time, you saw tonight the contributions that they can get from the rest of the roster. Mustafa Amzil continues to have that high basketball IQ, doing all of the fundamentals, chipping in assists and rebounds and not turning the ball over and shooting from the perimeter. He's doing a little bit of everything, and I don't know where this team would be without him, especially after Chase Johnson left. Going down from there, Elijah Weaver had the ball in his hands, ran the point rather effectively, kept the pace of the Flyers' offense going, and kind of dictated where they went with the ball uh, when Jalen Crutcher was on the bench. Extremely encouraging to see that. Zimmy, as we said, started out looking like a giraffe on ice skates. Now he looks like a guy that can contribute nightly for the Flyers, plays that stretch five. Guy can play underneath. He's not afraid to bang and be physical like Kobe Brea, who wasn't really afraid to go to the rim, get some contact. Um, Both of those guys are kind of developing one game at a time, and I think Zimmy has really taken huge steps from the first time that we saw him in um, the Eastern Illinois, Northern Kentucky, and SMU games. He's taken huge, huge strides. R.J. Blakeney didn't look like he was 100%, but when they get him back into the lineup, he was the first freshman to contribute this year. So it can only mean good things to get him 100% healthy and get this team uh, get this team rolling because, as we've said a million times, we're playing for three days in Brooklyn, and tonight's result has not changed that in the least. 
All right, Flyers coming back at you Sunday. Game time was pushed back to 4.30. They're playing GW at George Mason, and we will catch you back here next week, and we'll do a rapid reaction, same time, same place, right here after the second George Washington game. That'll be next Wednesday night. On behalf of Blackburn, Andrew, I'm Sully. I appreciate you sticking around to the bitter end here of the rapid reaction on Talking Out Loud. Until we catch you next time, I ask two rules of you. Wear red and be loud. See you then. Hey now, you middlemen! Throw away your fancy clothes! And while you're out there sitting on the fence, so get up your ass and come down here! Cause rock and roll ain't no riddle, man. To me, it makes good, good sense! Good sense, yeah, let's go.
Yeah.